Finding Home is a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to Finding Home. It's a podcast series about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Last episode, I talked about Cleveland as an epicenter of Fenian, that's Irish nationalist, activity. I looked at Father Thomas Thorpe's close ties with the Fenians, and in doing so, I surfaced an ongoing thread in this series, the relationship of the Cleveland Catholic Diocese to its Irish-born flock. The 1860s in Cleveland saw an explosion in population growth overall. The proliferation of English-speaking Catholic parishes at the same time signaled that Irish-born people were part of that growth. You've heard the saying that war is good for business. Well, the Civil War was good for business in Cleveland. As a transportation hub, Cleveland profited from the movement of soldiers and provisions during the Civil War effort. Railroads and shipbuilding prospered. The iron ore docks expanded along with iron foundries, iron machine shops, and iron rolling mills. In 1840, before the railroads, Cleveland's population stood at 6,071. With the coming of the railroads and the wave of famine immigration, the city's population almost tripled to 17,034 by 1850. Between 1850 and 1860, the population almost doubled again to 43,417. Then, during the 1860s, the population more than doubled yet again to 92,829 in 1870. So that's about 6,000 in 1840 to 93,000 in 1870. Incredible. Cleveland was the 67th largest city in the U.S. in 1840, but the 15th largest in 1870. In 1840, there was one Catholic church serving all of Northeast Ohio, St. Mary's on the Flats. The Cleveland Catholic Diocese was only created in 1847. By the early 1850s, Cleveland's first bishop, Amadeus Rapp, had founded an English-speaking parish in each of the three adjacent population centers in Northeast Ohio. The cathedral in Cleveland, St. John's Cathedral, St. Patrick's Parish on Bridge in Ohio City, and the future holy name in Newburgh. But new immigrants kept arriving, including folks who tried East Coast cities first and saw Cleveland as a place of even greater opportunity. Before I look at the burst of English-speaking parishes in the 1860s, two asides first. Number one, it's difficult to date the age of a parish, or decide which date to use. Should it be dated to the first request for a priest, to the first assignment of a resident priest, to the purchase of property, or to a groundbreaking, or so on. When I look back at the founding dates I've used in my own talks or displays, I confess to some discrepancies. I apologize if I am contradicting my earlier self on a date for any given parish founding here. I'm relying today on dates supplied in a multi-volume tome published between 1901 and 1903. Titled The History of Catholicity, it was compiled by George F. Hauck, and is available online, all 3,000 pages or so, on a site called Internet Archive. My second aside is this. The city of Cleveland has grown to encompass some parishes that were originally outlying missionary churches. 
So peace to fans of St. Patrick's West Park, St. Paul's in Euclid, and St. Mary's in Berea. Today I'm going to focus on some churches founded in the 1860s that reflect the spread of Irish settlement in or near the Cleveland city center. Those would be Immaculate Conception, St. Bridget's, St. Augustine's, and St. Malachy's. In an earlier episode, I reported that my colleague Bernie McCafferty found that the densest Irish settlement in 1850 was in the area equivalent to today's warehouse district. But there were also other clusters of Irish settlement near the cathedral at today's East 9th and Superior and south of Public Square, uphill from the canal terminus. Industry needed land to expand, and land was naturally more available in areas that had not previously been densely settled. So at a time when public transportation didn't exist, the workers followed the work into new areas. The less settled west bank of the Cuyahoga River, for instance, had room in the 1860s for the iron ore docks and rail and shipyards that couldn't be accommodated on the more settled east bank. Makers of kerosene, paints, varnishes, and other petroleum-based products were also beginning to appear in the 1860s, popping up south of the docks and yards, also by the river, then spilling uphill toward Tremont. On the east side of the river, small manufacturing shops and mills followed the railroad tracks along the lake. The railroad tracks heading south towards Pittsburgh also drew settlement along Broadway and Woodland. In all of those growth areas, Irish Catholics began pressing Bishop Rapp to form more English-speaking parishes. While Irish-born seminarians were in the pipeline in the late 1850s and early 1860s, Bishop Rapp had largely recruited French and German-speaking priests, not Irish priests, to help him staff the diocese at first. The priest called Old Father Conlon at St. Pat's on Bridge was the exceptional Irish priest among the earliest priests in the diocese. Over the next decade, Rapp would vacillate between resisting and capitulating to the concept of nationality parishes and matching priests of the same nationality to congregations of a certain nationality. Let's look at the east side first. St. John's Cathedral, constructed between 1848 and 1852, was originally meant to serve as a parish for the whole east side, but by 1855, Irish Catholics were already living east of Perry Street, today's East 24th Street, and they requested a new parish. Bishop Rapp didn't have a priest or the money to commit yet. There was a frame building behind the cathedral that had served as a temporary chapel while the cathedral was being built. The bishop had this building moved to East 40th and Superior and called it a Chapel of Ease for cathedral parishioners who lived that far east. Missionaries and newly ordained assistants were sent to say Mass at the chapel on Sundays. After Father Thomas P. Thorpe was ordained in 1861, Thorpe often drew that assignment. Father Thorpe was born near Dublin, Ireland in 1838. He began his studies for the priesthood in Ireland, but finished them in Cleveland. Gregarious, forceful, well-spoken, Thorpe quickly endeared himself to the congregants at the Chapel of Ease, and also began receiving invitations to speak at Irish events around the city. By 1864, at age 26, the up-and-coming young man was chosen to lead Cleveland's St. Patrick's Day Parade that year. Meanwhile, attendance was growing at the chapel at East 40th and Superior, and Bishop Rapp was close to announcing the formation of a new parish that would be called Immaculate Conception. 
though Father Thorpe was young, he would seem to have been an able and charismatic candidate for founding pastor. However, he was instead abruptly whisked away to a church in far-off Norwalk, Ohio. As I discussed in the previous episode, ardent support for the cause of Irish nationalism may have been the reason for Father Thorpe's banishment. In Bishop Rapp's eyes, the bond between the priest and his congregation placed too much emphasis on shared Irish identity. When the bishop formally authorized the formation of Immaculate Conception Parish in 1865, he appointed a French-speaking priest, Father Andrew Sauvaday, as the first resident priest. Father Sauvaday launched the parish school at Immaculate Conception and went on to serve the diocese faithfully in many capacities for many decades. But an ambitious building program at Immaculate Conception did not take off until Father Sauvaday was swapped for none other than Father Thorpe. More seasoned and humbled than he had been in 1864, Father Thorpe received the appointment in 1870 that he might have expected six years earlier. Bishop Rapp took a slightly different tack when the next group of English-speaking Catholics requested a parish in 1857. This group had taken the initiative of building a small brick church themselves near East 24th and Woodland, the site of today's St. Vincent Charity Hospital. Bishop Rapp agreed to dispatch floaters from the cathedral and seminary staffs to say Mass there as well. In 1864, the bishop appointed an Irish-born priest, Father Dennis Teig, to serve as the first resident priest of St. Bridget's Parish. Bishop Rapp must have had more confidence in Teig than he had had in Thorpe. Teig had a few years on Thorpe. Ordained in 1857, the new St. Bridget pastor had already paid his dues at parishes in Sandusky and Columbiana County. Unfortunately, however, Father Teig died unexpectedly in 1866, only two years after he had taken the reins at St. Bridget's. Meanwhile, Bishop Rapp also had to consider the needs of English-speaking, that is to say Irish, Catholics on the west side of the Cuyahoga River. In 1860, he agreed to split off the southern portion of St. Patrick's on Bridge to form St. Augustine's in Tremont. Rapp again sent a rotating crew of cathedral assistants to say Mass, this time in a framed church at the corners of Tremont and Jefferson. When it came time to appoint a resident priest in 1867, Rapp veered back to his policy of a French-speaking one, though that priest's tenure was sadly cut short by smallpox. In fact, St. Augustine's first decade or so was plagued with pastors who only lasted a year or two. So many decisions were pressing in on Bishop Rapp, and the city's growth kept accelerating. In 1865, Bishop Rapp decided to form another parish out of St. Pat's, this time out of the eastern portion, in the shadows of the iron ore docks and the railroad and shipbuilding yards. Rather than start with rotating assistance this time, the bishop chose Father James P. Maloney to organize the new parish, which would be called St. Malachy's. Though Maloney was born in about 1829 in County Tipperary, he studied for the priesthood in Cleveland and was ordained here by Bishop Rapp. Like Father Tig at St. Bridget's, Maloney did time in outlying areas first, in his case Defiance and Mansfield. His new congregation met for about three years at St. Mary's on the Flats before moving into their half-finished new church in 1868. Of all the English-speaking parishes that were founded in the 1860s, St. Malachy's probably got off to the strongest start. 
Bishop Rapp's attempt to match a French-speaking priest with an Irish congregation at Immaculate Conception hadn't rallied the parishioners, nor had his earlier attempt to place a German-speaking priest at the Newburgh parish that became Holy Name. It took energetic Irish-born priests, Father Thomas Thorpe and Father Joseph Gallagher, respectively, to launch Immaculate Conception and Holy Name as the powerhouse parishes they became. At St. Malachy's, Bishop Rapp decided to trust an Irish priest from the start, as he had done at St. Patrick's. Of course, all these pastors were successful because of their characters, not just because they were born in Ireland, but their affinity with their people was a plus. Some luck was involved as well. The early deaths of the first pastors slowed the momentum at St. Bridget's and St. Augustine's for a time. Uh, at both St. Patrick's and St. Malachy's, Bishop Rapp just happened to choose men with strong constitutions. Father Conlon was in place at St. Pat's for 20 years before he passed away. Father Maloney did not die until 1903, still pastor of St. Malachy's. Unlike most of his peers, Father Maloney embarked immediately on developing a modest but permanent physical plant, no temporary frame church that would have to be replaced. By relying on St. Mary's on the Flats for several years, he was able to build a stone church right off the bat. The church was relatively plain, but sturdy, serviceable, and done. Most of the parishes formed in the 1860s didn't have substantive churches until the 1880s or even later. Their churches might have, in the end, been more architecturally ambitious, but the financial burden was also greater. By the way, when I speak of the church at St. Malachy's, I'm not referring to the church that's standing today, though that's admittedly an even more plain and modest church. I'm referring to the earlier church around the corner, fronting on Washington, that was destroyed by fire on December 23, 1943. Even before the original church was complete, Father Maloney also moved quickly in 1867 to secure a suitable rented space for a school. He later purchased an old public school building to use for a boys' school in 1871. The plain dealer noted Maloney's thrifty stewardship at the time of his death, stating, and I quote, Father Maloney shows the kind of man he is in the splendid parish and parochial buildings that are now a part of St. Malachy's Parish. From comparative wilderness, from a Catholic standpoint, when he began work in that portion of the city, he has erected and paid for a fine church, residence, and parochial school, end quote. When the church was first dedicated in 1871, the plain dealer had reported that its price tag was $75,000, equivalent to $1.5 million in today's dollars. Maloney was able to accomplish this fundraising feat, even though, as the plain dealer also claimed, his parishioners were, quote, among the poorest in the city, end quote. But don't forget, Millionaire tugboat man Patrick Smith was also a parishioner. Leaving a priest in place for so long was not Bishop Rapp's standard operating procedure at the time. Father Maloney's thriftiness might have been reason enough for Bishop Rapp to leave Maloney alone, but Father Maloney, like old Father Conlon, was also devoted to a cause dear to Bishop Rapp's heart, total abstinence from alcohol. At the time of Father Maloney's death in 1903, he was the oldest serving priest in the Cleveland Diocese and one of the last surviving who had been ordained by Bishop Rapp. 
He was buried, along with many of his seminary classmates, in St. John's Cemetery on Woodland Avenue. Like many of his Irish-born colleagues, Father Maloney felt that a parish should minister to the community's social needs and help to ease the entry of impoverished immigrants. Many Irish-born priests clashed increasingly with Bishop Rapp regarding the purpose of a parish. But that's a story for another day. Today, I hope you'll remember the names of Father Thomas Thorpe, Joseph Gallagher, James Conlon, and James Maloney, who built some of the parishes that sustained our immigrant ancestors and helped them create a home in Cleveland. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch. Have a great day. You've been listening to Finding Home, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.